Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's the drink talking with the thinking drinkers, Ben McFarland and Tom Sandon, and mistress of wine, Sam Caporn. All the booze news and views from absinthe to Zinfandel. Everyone needs a spirit guide. Welcome, not once, twice, but thrice, from the three of us here at It's The Drink Talking. I'm Sam Caporn, a.k.a. the Mistress of Wine, and I am one of 356 masters of wine in the world. They are called masters, or MWs, so I've just called myself Mistress because I'm a woman, and I'm a wine expert, and I'm here with two wonderful gentlemen, Tom and Ben. Tom? Hello, my name's Tom Sandham. I'm one of the thinking drinkers, Ben being the other, and I'm a spirits expert and I talk all about spirits and cocktails and I write about it in books and have won awards for my writing and know my stuff, know my shit. That's what we say about that. And also work with Ben and have been since... 2007, Ben, isn't that right? A long time. Absolutely. We've worked a long time. It's been 10 years and I've enjoyed every single minute, Tom. Um, I'm a beer guy. I uh, write about beer. We talk about beer. I've been doing it for about 15 years. Uh, No, longer than that. My God. Um, I've written several books about beer. I've been named Beer Writer of the Year. Not once, not twice, but three <laughs> times, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, three is a magic number today. Three is a magic yeah. number. And, um, and you were the youngest as well. I was the youngest ever recipient, mm-hmm. so I was quite... Young? Some would say I've not fulfilled the potential that I showed back then. But, um, They'd be wrong. There we are. I write about beer, and obviously it's a great time to be writing about beer. Beer is doing very well at the moment, and we'll be talking about that later. Just before we finish the introductions, Ben and I have a comedy show, don't we, Sam? You uh, do. Yes. A fabulous comedy show. It's a comedy tasting. It's a piece of comedy theatre where you actually get five free drinks, and we talk all about the history of alcohol and you have lots of fun and we wear weird costumes and we're going to be taking that to the Edinburgh Fringe again for the seventh consecutive year and we'll be in London in December and we do a monthly residency at the Museum of Comedy so please come and see us enjoy some of our booze for free I had my tastiest ever rum there in fact I Ah. think it began with a D had lots of vanilla Diplomatico you did taste that that good gear good stuff it's beautiful rum something else to look out for from us I'm going to move on to this week's spit or swallow. And what is spit or swallow, Sam? It's something I've taken particular umbrage against, which I shall start with, followed by something that I think is a little bit more palatable, which I shall finish with, which is the swallow. This week I'm doing, for my spit, a blue wine. Blue wine? 
Nonsense. It, it's a blue wine. I'm not talking about blue in a title, like blue a blue nun. nun. I'm talking about a physically a blue coloured wine. Is it the um, stuff like in the uh, tampon adverts? Yes. That kind of blue. Keep that in your head throughout this whole bit. <laughs> right, that, okay. right. That is now perfect. Oh, that, I really don't want to drink this wine. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> exactly. Basically, keep that thought in your head. So some blokes in Spain have decided that what the wine industry needs, or the consumers in general, is a blue wine because, quote, unquote, this is from their website, we are not vintners, we are creators. Oh, dearie me. (laughs) They're all all in their 20s. They've done nothing with wine in their life. Quote, unquote, so we sought the most traditional, closed-minded industry out there. And they've decided that the industry that's going to be their battlefield is the wine industry. For whatever reason, they've decided what everyone really needs is a blue wine that's sweet, 11.5% alcohol. Mm. It's called Gick. Gick. (laughs) Gick. It's not even got a good name. Well, as it's spelled, how, how do they spell it? Talk. If it's my kid, it'd be Gutica. All I can do is phonetically now because I've got a five-year-old learning to read. But I think we'd probably say Gutica. How do you spell it? I'm just trying to say <laughs> it. I can only do it phonetically. Yeah, I, I, I feel your pain there. So J-I-K. it starts with a J. G. G. Yeah, that's the problem with G's when it comes to teaching kids, isn't it? I've learned this. It's a real problem. Giraffe. And my son's name's Joseph. It's, a, it's just it's, it's so there annoying. There you go, it's difficult. It's anyway, so this yeah. is a guffer goat, if a igloo, guffer cack. Cack. Cack <laughs> that is could be a K or a C. Kerfer King no, Kong. We're here bad. for King's Flying Kites, as I said, uh, my child's school. Okay. They source the grapes from blue, France and Spain. Blue grapes? No, they are normal, common in garden. <laughs> okay. So how do they turn it blue? Just... They use an organic which I think they obviously see as a plus. Oh, yeah, because I wouldn't It's drink, organic. I'd, I wouldn't drink it if it was... Non-organic, yeah. yeah. They use organic indigo and anthocyanines, which are obviously a natural product from wine anyway. But I just take umbrage with the whole wine being a closed-minded industry. Say, That's just the most closed-minded. tarring everyone with the same brush. I could rather think of people who make closed signs as an industry. That's more the, closed-minded I, than the wine industry. I don't think the wine industry is a closed... I don't even think it's, it's traditional. as closed-minded as whiskey, arguably. I think it's quite... It's quite trad. There are a lot of laws. Like, if you go to Europe, they don't make life easy with the, you know, like the AC laws in France and whatnot. But there are people all over the world all making wine from tiny artisan people to, like, big producers from champagne to still wine and basically to say that everyone's basically... Some kind uh, of fatty daddy. Yeah, mm. closed-minded. And actually, you know, wine gives people a lot of pleasure. So to my mind, it's not wine either. It's an RTD. It doesn't have any... WKD. Yeah, Another exactly. three-letter word. S-H-I-T. I would suggest. Yeah. But I haven't Unless had the pleasure. Unless they're interested in sponsoring the show, in which case <laughs> we it's love it. G-O-O-D. <laughs> um, I do, just in case WKD has any money, also not to knock them. Yes, what I mean. <laughs> so, chaps, that's my uh, that's my spit. I think rightly that's so. A I very, that. very good one. I just, the I creators of Blue Wine. I wouldn't put it in yep. my mouth. I don't want to dwell on it too long, but you said that there's something that is naturally blue that comes out of the winemaking process. In the grapes, in the grape skins, you've got um, various bits and pieces, one of which are the anthocyanins, Mm. which are responsible for colour and tannin. Okay. It's not completely ridiculous um, to go with blue. Don't stick up for it. That's my spit. Uh, (laughs) So, moving on, I'm going to very neatly, I thought, move from blue wine to pink wine. Oh. Um, I thought we'd stick on a colour theme. So we've got a, a rosé. Now this is a delicious mm. rosé. It's called Murabeau. 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 From Provence in oh. France. It's no. a screw cap. <laughs> it's not got quite the... Uh... Talk about have wine interesting having no innovation. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, well, screw caps are relatively new. Mm. A couple of things about this wine. One, the family who makes it is a family called Cronk. And the guy is called Stephen Cronk. <laughs> How do you spell that? Don't get me started. (laughs) Can I just say, on YouTube, there's the most excellent video of Stephen Cronk opening a bottle of wine with a shoe. Oh, yes. So if you've never done it or never looked at it, have a look. You obviously don't need it with this wine because it's open with a screw cap. But essentially what you do is you get a bottle of wine. I'm going to show you one here. So imagine this doesn't have a screw cap. Imagine it's got a cork on the end. Put it in a shoe and then you whack it Mm. against the wall... Right. through your shoe to stop it breaking and then the cork pops out the end and it no goes no way that's very good that's very cool. good if you don't have a corkscrew yeah genius isn't it yeah, seriously because I just jam because you always the, have a shoe don't you unless you're Fleur our friend Fleur who's always in flip flops I know Fleur yeah she... otherwise no shoe <laughs> I don't shoeless think it would work shoeless Fleur shoeless Fleur but otherwise <laughs> you <laughs> would just need a shoe and the wine and, and you wall. can open it and a wall it could be a tree yeah, or a tree Okay, you, uh, anyway, you write any hard surface. Shall we move on? <laughs> so the English family moved to Provence and basically set up a winery. Now, I got this from Waitrose, but I think it's fairly widely available, £9.99. Do you kind of get different types of rosé? You can get really sweet sort of American rosés like White Zinfandel, which have got quite a lot of residual sugar in them. And then you can get some really beautiful, rich sort of Spanish rosés that have really beautiful deep colours and then you get this more lovely light onion skin which is very typical of wines from Provence now the sun is shining my mind is turning to rosé let's have a quick taste now on the nose Mm. it smells like it's going to be sweet I know sweet is not a smell but what is it about that that's making it smell a bit more like berries or yeah I think a couple of things the grape so you've got um, 60% syrup in here and then 35% 35% Grenache and 5% Sanso. So a lot of the fruity smells, because if you think of fruit and you smell fruit, you're just going to think it's going to be sweet because mm, fruit yes. is sweet. This is bone dry. But no, it's lovely. It really smells of red berries, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's raspberry. Nice. And also, I think... Um, I'm getting some peach. Do any, yeah, do you get any bubble gum? Mmm. Kind of. Is that sort of... There is almost a, candied it's, sort it's of really, sweet, it? Yeah, and I mm. think sometimes in Provence, a lot of the wines can basically be pink white wine they don't really taste of red fruits mm. and why I love this is that it's rosé you know it's beautiful pink colour but actually they've got some flavour and um, mm. red fruit out of the berries so they haven't just also, sort of coloured it like no, the blue wine this is quite interesting all rosé generally is made in the Sanier method so they basically bleed it off so you start off with a red wine so you've made it with red grapes mm. and you do a really gentle pressing get some of the colour and flavour out and then basically make it like a white wine oh, okay. so it kind of is really light pink white wine but from red grapes light champagne which is made generally from two red grapes and one white but actually in rosé champagne apart from a couple of brands guess what they do lob in a bit of red wine do they yeah there's very few of them that make it from the Sanier method is that it's generally yeah totally allowed Ooh. the most expensive rosés in the world you just pop in a bit of pinot noir mm, sounds that good. makes sense yeah. to that end if you don't have any rosé mm. can you mix it red and a white and put them together well, technically, yeah. yeah. I think the problem I have with rosé is it sometimes it looks like this, it mm. smells sweet, it looks pink, and then it delivers on my preconceived ideas of what it is going to taste like, and it's a bit cloying and sweet and too, not almost like a rich, that I assume yeah, quite is a syrupy. cheap, yeah, quite yeah, a cheap rosé. That's something that's sort of medium, dry, quite, yeah, got, got a lot of residual sugar in. Well, that's good. So Thanks, I, I swallowed that. That was a good swallow. I so. like that. Thanks. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Tom Sandham from The Thinking Drinkers, and you are listening to It's The Drink Talking. So that was my spit or swallow, the last one being absolutely delicious, the first not so much. And we are now moving on to beer man Ben, who is going to taste us through some beers. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. We don't have a name for the uh, beer section, so if anyone wants to write in or tweet us at Thinking Drinks or at Mistress of Wines, okay, that's... um, a pun would be useful. We had ale be back. Ale be back. That's really the best well. we could do. Because we could mm. be tasting lager. Mm. So here for the beer. Mm. Hot. Skipping a jump. Uh, no. Okay, yeah, please do right. Yeah. <laughs> we so need this, this, we need uh, this week, I want to talk about American IPAs. Mm. Americans making beer, babe. Yes, America, India pale ales. Now, um, we'll go into IPA style in more depth another time. But essentially, it's a British beer style that... Dates from the uh, 17th century when Britain had an empire, when we ruled the world, were a bit of a big deal. We used to send beer all over the world, especially to India. There was ale that was brewed in London, especially, that uh, was hopped heavily with quite high in alcohol to withstand a long six month sea journey to India. It gave it the sea legs to withstand a journey and it would arrive in Bombay in great condition. And and so it's a beer style that has uh, was once very, very popular, along with, say, porter. But then went out of fashion here, like a lot of beer styles in their original country, they kind of lose lose their way. And after the Second World War, it got weakened down. It became an insipid version of it. But the Americans, as part of their craft brewing revolution, took it as the kind of flagship beer style that, that really, really sort of burst into onto the scene in America. Because in, in the 70s, they were in America, it was a brewing wasteland. There was 40 breweries in America brewing pretty much the same beer style for the whole of the country. Bear in mind there's over 100 in London at the moment. And there was lots of reasons for that. Just consolidation, a lot of bruises shut down. Prohibition had mm. kicked it in the swingers pretty badly. And it was a barren beer time. But then tax on aeroplanes got cut in America, which meant people could travel to Europe much more cheaply. And they went oh, to Europe. Stole all the secrets and back in. Well, they worked out, they got to Belgium, Germany, Britain, and realised that they're really missing out on beer styles. 
what coincided with that is that in the 80s, a law that banned home brewing got repealed as well. People started brewing in basements, backyards, bathrooms, things like that. <laughs> this home brewing culture began. It sort of dovetailed as well with this sort of interest in artisan food, especially in the more liberal pockets of America, so both coasts, but very much California, Oregon, Washington, on the left coast of America, which is where the craft brewing revolution really started. And Tom and I... In mm. 2007, wrote a book called Good Beer Guide West Coast USA. We did. Please buy it. It's, it's, uh, it's not been pulped. It yeah. won an award. It won an award. And we travelled up and down the West Coast of America. Essential reading. It's I would say reading. so, on the toilet, at the very least. <laughs> yes. Especially if you're home brewing in the bathroom. <laughs> yes. You can read our book. Yeah. You can do all Top your business yeah. in one room. Keep it clean, though. Uh, well, is key. We, if you listen to the first podcast, the Scots put cow dung in there, they did. didn't they? So yeah, maybe, yeah. You, maybe, maybe you've got you an ingredient Maybe you could add in a little there. extra. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. But it's a region very close to our heart because we spent three months driving up and down visiting every brewery, beer bar, brew pub there and wrote a book about it. And it was very much predicted what's happening here in London 10 years later. And the beer over there is an American version of an IPA which is, being an American, they make them bigger, they're brasher, they're more in your face than the English version. And now they're inspiring a lot of what's going on over here in the UK and Europe as well. So European brewers, new wave brewers, are copying American, American versions oh, of the European Oh, the tables have turned. So they're just yeah. bouncing across, back and forth across the Atlantic. So we go into a bar and we see an American-style IPA now, yes, don't we? Yes, that is now a, pretty much, if you see the word American before a style, so American mm. IPA or an American pale ale or a... American uh, barley wine or something mm. like that, then it means that it's just bigger yeah. and louder yeah. and it's taste. Which American is, president. Yeah. American president, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. But we're going to try two beers from California, one from the south in San Diego and one from the north California in Petaluma, which is not far from San Francisco. There's a wine called Petaluma. Yeah. Is there? Yeah, well, an Australian wine. Well, oh, that kind of undermines yeah. what I was about to say. Because it's okay. a big American region. Yeah. yeah. So that's not, that's not very helpful. So we're going to pull the first one. Thank you. And one of the characteristics of an American IPA is they often use, not exclusively, but they often use American hops, which are very fragrant, very floral, and they late hop the beer. Oh, yeah, I'm pouring it in. There you go. So this is. Thank you, Ben. That's some, some magnificent head. Well, if you've you given didn't me. tilt the glass, then what can I do? Just to give listeners an idea, that's about a five finger head on a one finger of beer. Uh, great head. There we go. That head is important. Head is important. Keep the oxygen out. Always keep CO2 in. I was drinking. If you dip your finger in the head of a beer, do that. Stick it in your mouth. You'll get the metallic kind of mm. bitterness mm. of can the I beer. Can I ask, go is on. that just in the beer or is that the fact that it's from a can? I definitely prefer beer from bottle. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm just being a wanker. No, 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 no. Oh, dear. I've got a lot of work to do here. (laughs) No, bottles are good, but cans are arguably, a lot of people are saying that there's cans are better for the beer because the two main enemies of beer are sunlight or light and oxygen. Oh, same as wine. And cans are obviously better than bottles at keeping light out. Brown bottles are okay. Anything in green or clear bottles, you've got to be wary of. And obviously, cans are impervious to ruinous rays um, and oxygen <laughs> and the oxygen take up is arguably less than in, less yeah. in a can so and they look pretty cool yeah. as well because yeah. you can stick Squash funky it. pictures on them and they're very recyclable good for the environment and as they're well. harder to kill people with you can't yeah, you really can't, yeah, glass, you can't can glass anyone yeah. although you can cut it in half and then <laughs> yeah you could try that but uh, the thing about it is, is it also if you're drinking out of a can you're not mm. going to get 
much on the nose and as sort of 70 to 90 percent of what you taste is mm. coming from mm. your sense of smell so really we always say if you do have it in a can pour it into a glass a Pick out a glass. Yeah. Come on. Anyway, let's uh, let's taste yes. this, Ben. What's yeah. So this is Stone IPA. Nice colour. Now, mm. Stone are based uh, just outside San Diego. They were the first brewery we visited. Well, we started in Las Vegas, but we didn't do much <laughs> work work there. Mm. And then we went to uh, Stone. They were just starting out back in 2007. Yeah. Well, we went to their, their big new... Yes, it's a place called Escondido, oh. where they have the Stone Bistro and Gardens. an amazing mm. place. And they've been very instrumental in a San Diego brewing scene. Very aggressive in their marketing. They've got a beer called Arrogant Bastard. They, if you like Brewdog and yeah, are bought like into that ones. and yeah. see what yeah. they do in their whole marketing stick and the way they approach the beer market, they sort of shake it up, grab by the ankle, shake it down. Very much inspired by Stone. In fact, you could say borrowed a few <laughs> of their approaches. Yeah. And they're very close. And I've actually bought this in a Brewdog bar in a uh, Shepherd's Bush. Really good, actually. They do these things called crowlers where you yeah. can get draft beer and they pour it into a, a large can and they'll can it for you and it lasts three days. So oh, you so can take draft beer away. the can equivalent of a growler? Uh, yeah. Yes, but like probably better. It's very um, bitter, it's, but it's it's quite balanced. I yes, it's nice, but, though. It's not yeah, too bitter. It's a nice bitterness, mm. isn't it? It's got a Moorish... Because what, it's offset by quite a lot of flavour. Mm. Yes, it's balanced. And mm. and the next beer we're going to try is the same. But the difference between Southern and Northern Californian IPAs is quite pronounced. What's the alcohol in it? Is it, it is quite, quite strong. Punchy. I think it's 6.9%. I just noticed the next one we're doing is 6.9%. 6.9%. Yeah, very piney. Mm. Got some sort of tobacco notes on it. Mm. It's really, it's a classic... Your archetypal Southern California. Does it like morning wee though? That's the only thing. It looks you like wee. Really haven't been drinking enough water. Yeah, you need to have a few more of those. Had, that's real morning Get a few wee Cosmos color. down you. Yeah, yeah. Get yeah. that cranberry juice inside you and out quickly. That's the bad of it. Right, that last one, Stone Brewing. They've actually opened a brewery and bistro and gardens in Berlin. Every beer you buy in Britain, pretty much from Stone, is brewed in Berlin. The idea being that it gets here fresher because. Mm. Bring it over from California, yeah. it loses a lot of its lustrous. Does it really? Yeah. It does. Especially hoppy beers. Yeah. They, the hop flavour and character is the first to go with age. So the fresh well, What happens to it? Does it just evaporate? No, on it the, just becomes a little water. bit dull. It just doesn't just like yeah. come coffee, as vibrant and, yeah. and floral and, and you lose it. And it is noticeable. I think America's making some amazing IPAs, but so there's some brilliant American style IPAs. More do some Magic Rock, Cannonball, more hoppiness is a good version. So if you want to support your local breweries and perhaps buy those. But these are the real deal. And the next one we're going to try is Lagunitas. Mm. And they're from Northern California. They're really giving it a push in the UK now. Their marketing bants on their website is really good. That was a good uh, pour. That's better head. Yeah. Thank you, mate. That's about uh, the right amount of head, isn't it? I think if you're looking for it, you want a good couple of fingers. Couple of fingers. Really, on the top of, of your beer. Yeah, I think that's People used right. to complain so much about head in this country, didn't they? Yeah. Um, Not as so much drinkers. as the Australians used to complain. Well, yeah, but it's, uh, it's interesting that it is You important. need it. If you go to Germany or Belgium where they really mm. revere beer, head, every beer comes with a nice head. It improves the taste. If you think about or just if you drink through the head now, mm. you get that hot bitterness on the head and then you get the nice malty sweetness below and... You're taking it in and, and just look so, at it. You, yeah. but, but, it um, but the head always goes. So it's kind of like... Not good head it will, will, well, will be no, there forever. Should, a good good head for really? life. It <laughs> should last for at least 20 minutes, that's what I'd say. Um, <laughs> really? Well, you are some sort of stamina freak. <laughs> anyway, let's move on from that. <laughs> this Mine's doesn't ready. smell as... Bitter. So this no. is going towards this idea that the, the bigger, hoppy, southern California 
brings much more of more that ser- aroma. They use more cerbic, yeah. Right. Oh, it's much higher acid. Southern California, much more bitter and aggressive. Whereas the this one, it's less in your face. Mm. It doesn't draw your cheeks in like Kenneth Williams mm. as much as the first one. Um, <laughs> Talking of hair, does we? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I prefer the stone. Hmm? I prefer the stone. I think I, I'm not not to dismiss the way you're approaching your section, Ben. I might have gone the other way around with it. I'm. This feels a little bit. Not flat, but it doesn't feel quite as. Well, the first, meaty the and... taste buds have been given a bit of a kicking mm. off. The yeah, first. maybe. But I'd say this is more drinkable. Mm. It's more approachable if you're not normally used to British pale ales or yeah. less in your face aggressive hop led beers. Then Lagunitas is probably an easier drink. What we discovered with these big IPAs in, in Southern California when we were there, they were they were just getting into their double IPAs. Where What's they a double could, IPA? Well, so it's like an IPA, twice as big, and about eleven or twelve percent. And we did a, we judged on a, a competition there where we had to judge seventy different double IPAs. And after the first mm. two, you cannot taste a thing. And we we're in this sort of we're airless basement. basement, and it was surrounded all, by a lot of large, quite, sinister, really. quite chubby men. Yeah, and, and, no, well, and no spitting. No, no. Well, no. I mean, that's, you get that bitterness and mm. you get the length of the drink. I know you can spit with wine, but we no, tend always. to we tend to no. swallow with yeah. beer. And we just sat around with men saying, it's "Quite hoppy, isn't it?" <laughs> and it, yeah, it's pretty hoppy. And Ben um, was having a breakdown at the time. Oh yeah, I was having. Yeah, I had a panic attack weird, that day. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I had to walk up and down the road outside. Maybe yeah. induced by because the basement. Like double I just yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being did. in a basement with lots of men, it was interesting because yeah. he had the, he had the breakdown just yeah. at the moment that we started the session, and he walked out and left me there on my own <laughs> in a basement with all these men, overweight men. Who were, yeah. <laughs> that was really interesting. Thanks, me. mate. Yeah, I bought the stone one from the Brewdog Bar, and you can get it on their website. I think you can get it on lots of different online places. And Lagunitas, you can actually get from Manchester, mm. who have improved their beer range exponentially, much. Much better. They've <laughs> <laughs> improved it. it. It's, like their beer range is much better than it used to be. Yes. See, it is quite strongly. It is. I yeah. was just going to say, I've no idea what? what's coming next after the rosé and those two beers. What is coming next? It's you, so. you muppet. <laughs> okay. It's yes, on yes. to Legends of Liquor with Tom. Yes, our Legends of Liquor, the section where we look at someone past or present or from the future uh, who's done something interesting with drink or done great things and still enjoyed a drink. We are today talking about Peter the Great. Who's Peter the Great, Tom? Well, Ben, I'll tell you, he's a 17th century Russian ruler. Not being a state piece of stationery. <laughs> no, not, not a piece of An stationery. And Russian rulers have obviously got... Um, Bit of a stigma, Putin being the most notable. Uh, Stalin. Uh, Stalin, yeah. But Peter the Great was a, a great man. He did great things for Russia. He was a great European as well, in fact. He helped bring Europe together as a statesman. Where he, is he now, hey? Well, yes, yeah. in these times of uh, us leaving Europe, he might have been useful. If you want to stay in Europe, but hey, listeners, <laughs> 52% of you don't. So who are we to say? He did great things and he liked to drink vodka. He created St. Petersburg. Oh, yes, he did that. Nice looking place. Never been, desperate to go. It's beautiful, beautiful. Along with Iceland. Yes, uh, also beautiful. Um, He revolutionised naval engineering. That's ships, not belly buttons, Ben. Very good. Uh, yes, he did. Uh, he went to the, the docks of Amsterdam to study shipbuilding. So, so he said. Yeah, well. Riveting. Hey. <laughs> He's, anyway, by doing that, he learned how to build. He came back with all his engineering prowess. He helped revolutionise their navy and helped them win wars and all the rest of it. He enforced attacks on beards. 
And in this age of beards... Oh, the hipsters wouldn't have liked him he much. He would have made a, a shed load of cash. He celebrated the lives of dwarves with dwarf weddings. <laughs> he had them <laughs> jump out of pies. Uh, he had a pet monkey who lived on his throne. And he gave him vodka. He trained an actual isn't that, bear. Isn't that animal abuse? Well, Bring the RSPCA. No, not oh, giving, no. I mean, not giving gave, a monkey yeah, vodka is animal abuse. That would have been bad. Oh. He trained a bear to serve vodka. True story. And he earned a reputation as the Antichrist in some circles, which is Ooh, less... They might, that's not so good. Because it's something seriously wrong to do that. But more pertinently, mm. on a drinks podcast, Peter cared about vodka so much that he improved production standards when it came to making... Vodka, he used his engineering knowledge to triple distill. And he was one of the first pioneers of this. And in doing so, he actually started this quest that we have had in vodka for centuries after about finding purity. I was so, about to say, it sounds like it would be uh, the route to purity, yes, triple distilling. They were drinking a lot of muck back then and distilling methods were quite rudimentary. But he'd spent a lot of time in, in Britain and Ireland, actually, and seeing what the Irish were doing with triple distillation. He, he used his engineering knowledge to make a distillation kit that could uh, triple distill. So he started us on quite an important journey when it comes to the spirit. I mean, he was a massive drinker. By today's standards, we probably couldn't hold him up as a responsible uh, drinker. drinker. <laughs> he sort of went across Europe really causing carnage. There are stories of him in Britain staying at a country estate where he pushed his mates in wheelbarrows through hedges and drew moustaches on people's <laughs> portraits, which sounds it's very juvenile. It's good to hear that all those centuries ago that was still, still going funny. on. Pretty funny. Yeah. Still funny. And he, uh, he set up an all-joking, all-drunken synod of fools and jesters. So he, his plan was to get drunk every day, which we can't condone... But because of what he did with the production methods, we, we sort of see him as, as this legend of liquor. And the Russians have got lots of form when it comes to vodka. Uh, to vodka. And a lot of Russian leaders have got a really good affinity was, was with Was Peter spirit. the Great more drunken than Boris Yeltsin? No, he was not more drunken than Boris Yeltsin. In the context of two things. One, I can't be sure because I, I wasn't alive then. And two, Boris really was, in terms of drunken leaders, he really takes the cake. He was he different was gravy. Interestingly, Boris Yeltsin, Strong. he was mucking about with um, a hand grenade when he was a kid and he blew off his thumb and finger. And not something you really think of with Yeltsin. But now if you go back and look at pictures, if he's holding both his hands up, you can see he's got no thumb and finger, which uh, what, what, must have made drinking what, quite... What uh, is a kid doing, playing with a hand grenade? Yeah, it's mental, isn't it? It's quite random. He was a big drinker. There are stories of him going to Sweden and giving a public talk and comparing um, Bjorn Borg's face to meatballs. When he stayed at the White House, he drank so much vodka, he ran out of the White House and hailed a cab and asked it to get him some pizza while wearing only his <gasps> underpants. <laughs> the man was different level when it comes oh, to drinking on the job. Yeah. Um, so he's not a great example. But all the way back to Ivan the Terrible, who was the first man to use vodka and um, and, and he take was the terrible though. Well, he took the, he was, vodka. He, when it comes to vodka, he was very smart. He used the sale of vodka to help build the state and improve the yeah. country. But he did also throw puppies off the tops of clock towers and yeah. to set bears onto monks. He <laughs> <laughs> was pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, Rough with the smooth. Yeah. yeah, and then you've got Stalin, as you say. I mean, Stalin held his Politburo's uh, meetings and everyone had to drink and had to drink excessively so that he could get all his policies through and people would be walking out at five in the morning puking their guts up. But um, uh, Stalin, I know, he... Um, he's you know bad. him. No, no, I know him, yeah. <laughs> he's not as bad when you get to know him. <laughs> it's to all me, right, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, no, he, his parents, instead of giving him a dummy, they used to calm him, soothe him with a vodka-soaked cloth. 
Uh, wasn't that, that yeah, a that very wasn't early age? Though, was that, it? No, in I the suppose past, you put give, rum on gums yeah. and. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but just as sets him on a path. Yeah, he got a taste for it. <laughs> yeah, he did, he did drink a lot as well. But we can't really hold those people up as legends of liquor. I mean, Stalin in particular, he killed a few people. Yeah. Um, so you know, he's not really the nicest, yeah. nicest chap. Yeah. As you say, Boris, he, he drank to excess, and it, it wasn't really good for the country. But, but basically, Peter, Peter the Great, he did trained great bears, instrumental in the development of vodka distillation. Yeah, and I think that's what's key to his story. Uh, interesting. Now in vodka, people talk about vodka as it is a neutral spirit the aim of vodka is to make this neutral spirit without much flavor and americans classify vodka as something that doesn't taste of of the base product and that's extraordinary really when you think about this surge for our desire for taste at the moment Mm. but what's happening in vodka is people are going back to trying to bring through some of those is there not a kind of east versus west thing and in the east polish vodkas and russian vodkas have a little bit more it's more to do with the ingredient and, interestingly, before vodka there was a, another spirit, which is a Russian name that I can't pronounce, so I won't even attempt it, but it was made purely with a rye and it was more for the sort of the richer, the nobility, and it would have been a bit more of a peppery taste. So it's more about the ingredient. Vodka can be made from anything as long as it produces starch. So you've got grains, but you've got potatoes, which mm. are quite important. What's it mainly made from? Predominantly grain. We're Is seeing it? a lot more potato vodkas. Yeah. That comes back to this idea of character, because with the potato and the sort of oily mouthfeel. I mean, when you're distilling something up to 95% ABV, which is alcohol by volume listeners, it's not going to have a great deal of character, but with a potato, if you've got an oiliness, there's a potato vodka called Carlson's, which uses seven different varieties of potatoes, and that's got a lot of rich quality. Structure. Yeah, mm. and I think that if you think vodka's boring, it's quite nice to go back and revisit it at the moment because there's a lot more coming out with it. Thanks, Tom, for a fascinating overview on Peter the Great. I enjoyed that immensely, as I have done your company today. And if you want any more wine information, then go to my site, www.themistressofwine.com. Thanks. If you've enjoyed this podcast and like to learn more about drink, then you can see Ben and Tom, the Thinking Drinkers, in our live show where we'll be tasting alcohol and making you laugh. We're on tour. We're at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival throughout August and then around the UK and in London. All dates and ticket prices can be found on our website, www.thinkingdrinkers.com. Please buy a ticket, please. Join us next week, everyone. I am going to be doing Legends of Liquor. Tom is doing a gin tasting and Ben is doing some... Spitting or swallowing. Spitting or swallowing with beer. Can't wait. Join us then. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. This was a Premier Crew podcast from Seven Digital. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.